Welcome to the Empower Your Team podcast series with your host, Chloe Caron, founder and president of O2 Coaching. In this podcast series, Chloe and her guests will take you on a journey, sharing their leadership stories, struggles, successes, and learnings. The conversations will highlight practical advice and insights for leaders. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast, Empower Your Team. Imagine if your boss or your organization said to you, okay, here's the challenge. You need to create something you've never created in record time because millions of lives depend on it. That's exactly the challenge my next guest had to face with his team, Fabien Paquette, head of Vaccines Canada for Pfizer, as you can imagine. The challenge was big and they were, in a way, excited to be able to create the value they were able to create in the market. But how did they do this? My assumption was that they needed to operate at the level of one team, what I call in my book, Empower Your Team, One Team, which means you have to be super efficient. You've got to be able to depend on one another. You have to be clear on who's delivering what and so forth and so on. And so my question to Fabien was, how did you do it in record time? And, and you'll listen to what he had to say, but I think one of the things we need to remember is that let's not waste a good crisis, meaning if we're going to be in this crisis, let's make sure that we create the changes from a culture perspective that we, we wanted to create for the longest time. If we want to create an empower your team culture in our organization, now is the perfect time to do it because we need to do it. We need to operate those shifts. And so Fabien shares with us the importance in order to achieve that culture, the importance of taking time to think, taking time to think. And if his team was able to take time to think, to be really strategic and make sure they were focusing on what they needed to deliver, every team can do that. Every leader, every single contributor can make sure to carve out some time and think about what they need to deliver absolutely. And what we talked about also with Fabien, which I'm really focused and I would say probably obsessed on, is making sure that organizations create the climate so that the people, the, the right people to making that decisions are making those decisions at the right level at the right time. And no better examples than it being able to deliver vaccines um, as, as, as an example of the right decisions being made by the right people in the right time. So have a listen and I'll find you right after. Fabien Paquette, welcome to the podcast. You are head of vaccines, Pfizer Canada. My God, we are in the midst of this pandemic. You are so busy and yet you're taking time to speak with us, to talk about leadership, obviously vaccines. Um, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Nice to be here, Chloe. Thank you for the invitation. So you and I, we spoke about, in preparation to this, we spoke about so many things. And one of the elements that really resonated with me was in order to deliver what you delivered in record time, literally record time, uh, you needed to operate as one team. But when the pandemic happens, it, do it doesn't mean that obviously the one team is working super well at that time. How do you navigate that? How do you go about doing that? Well, actually, that's an interesting uh, starting point, because at that time, I remember that there was no one team that was dedicated to, to COVID-19 vaccine in Canada. Uh, worldwide, there were cross functional teams being established 
Uh, and that came out with our CEO, Albert Bourla, with a, a five-point plan in place. Uh, but, you know, within the country, the question was, okay, what are we going to do with this? So in order to achieve that one team concept, I needed to start by building that cross-functional team. And the first question that I've asked myself and my colleagues were, okay, who do we need to have on this team uh, based on what we needed to do? And we realized that uh, we didn't have the right you know, very clear answer to this because we've never done something like this before. Uh, so we needed to be extremely agile in our thinking and at the same time, very open about creating a very, very different cross-functional team as we usually do. So it wasn't like preparing a usual lunch. We were building everything as we were speaking. So uh, as a result of this, we put together a cross-functional team, which I said to the, the colleagues, it may evolve over time. We may add people, some people may, may be less active, and so on and so forth. And that was kind of the approach that we, we've taken since the beginning. And everyone up front were fully aligned with that mindset. Uh, things were changing so rapidly that we had no choice than to be very agile and nimble and uh, to make sure that we bring in the people that would help us to make the difference. So the pandemic really forced everybody, I mean, everybody to change the way we think, the way we operate. For you, it was time 10 because you had that mission to deliver something that we all needed to, to continue to live and to operate. So how do you see people? You mentioned people are, some people are open, some people are agile, but then some are not so comfortable in that environment. How do you speed that up for everybody or how do you manage that? Yeah, that is a very interesting point that uh, we realized very quickly is that uh, there was no clear pathway. We had to actually build the pathway as we were walking into it. And um, we made it very, very clear to each team members that uh, they needed to navigate through ambiguity a lot. They actually needed to embrace ambiguity and adversity because that would be the overall environment in which we will be navigating through. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, uh, some people were extremely comfortable uh, and excited about this, while other colleagues may have find it a little bit more challenging. And as a result of this, you know, the coaching, the support was provided in a different ways. We needed to, to add, uh, add, uh, adapt to the situation. But at the end of the day, it was something that everyone really realized it became extremely important. So if you were mastering this ability to navigate in true, um, true ambiguity, that was important to continue to develop uh, these, these skills and competencies. And for the other ones who realized quickly that the gray zone was not their most comfortable zone, uh, then there was a the question about how should I become better in, you know, navigating through ambiguity. And that, you know, helped them to build a, a different development plan. Now, after almost a year, maybe a bit more for you guys, uh, you say you you change the way you lead your meetings in order to make sure that you, you get that agility and that momentum. Uh, how do you operate there? Well, there is different teams in place, but if I take the example of the, the, the COVID-19 cross-functional team, First of all, it's a highly engaged team. Everyone knows clearly their roles, their contribution. Um, everyone is super accountable because they feel that it is a privilege to actually be able to contribute 
so significantly to society. You know, I, I remind our colleagues from time to time that it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to help end a pandemic. And as such, you know, uh, we should make sure that whatever we do, we do it with the best of our knowledge, experience, and heart, because we're really going to have an impact on society more than ever. And this is, of course, a, an amazing element to, to help align people, to help making sure that people are fully on board, to also, you know, go through the adversity that we're facing. Because this, there's been some, some challenging time over the last few months. Um, there were some issues with supply. We had to deal with it. You know, it was difficult. Uh, but at the end of the day, we were able to come back to it. And the beauty is that even at, during these moments, the team remained highly engaged and focused because they knew that we would be able together to go through it. Your Team USC could not be clearer. It's like NASA when they say, bring them back home. For you, it's the same. It's get everybody vaccinated so that we can move on and, and, and be healthy, all of us. Um, so that makes it in a way easier, as you mentioned, in terms of everybody's USC contribution to that bigger contribution. How do you make sure as a leader who you know, we, we're all experts in our domain. How do we make sure that with that clarity, we coach, we delegate so that everybody makes their decisions within their carré de sable, as we say, their sandbox? How, how do we do that as a leader? Well, in some particular area, it is very straightforward. If I look my regulatory colleagues, medical colleagues, their sandbox is super well-defined. My supply chain colleague as well. What is critical is for each of these to understand what is each other's sandbox and how could they potentially contribute to it because it was required for from time to time that an expertise that was not necessarily obvious was needed. And then we're looking around the table and say, who knows about this? And we realized that it was in no one sandbox. So then we say, okay, who else could help us then in order to achieve this? So... That is the approach that we took to make sure that not only everyone understood that they were accountable for a very clear portion of the mission, but they could also potentially contribute to someone else's portion of the mission, maybe without knowing it up front, but by understanding what their sandbox is, they were eventually capable of saying, you know what, eventually when you're going to be at that stage, maybe I could do something to help you. So that was through ongoing communications and that was through uh, that desire to make sure that we were sharing uh, the successes that we were having, but also the challenges. And uh, we had several brainstorming sessions when we say, okay, here, and there is an issue, what do we do about this? Silence. I wish I was, I was a, a bird in those meetings. <laughs> Yeah, the fun part was that sometimes there was a 25-second silence because we were looking you know, through the Zoom to each other and say, no idea, never done this, never seen this. Uh, how do we get dry ice? What do we do with you know some of the supply of materials? There were some pieces of equipment that didn't exist. We say, okay, how could we create these ones? So uh, it was kind of interesting. You say you you now, um, I'll use a word that's not the right word, but kind of force everybody to fix in their agenda focus time. 
so that they can operate in their USC at the highest strategic level possible. What's tell 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 us more? The challenge when you're in such a situation like we are right now, not only for the colleagues who are working on on the COVID nineteen vaccine, but for everyone else within the organization. The challenge is that you want to maintain a certain level of time to to reflect on what needs to be done, on how to do things. So um, if you are reactive and you wait until you find a spot in your agenda to actually take that time, it's not going to work. So one of our team norms has been to actually put uh, focus time in each of our agenda, uh, actually not just for a week or two or three, but for the balance of the year. So uh, some colleagues felt that they would need uh, six hours per week, others 10 hours per week based on their role. Uh, we defined that ideally a block of two hours would be good. So some have two hours per day, some have two hours in the morning, uh, two hours in the afternoon, some have chosen Tuesdays and Thursdays. The idea was to say, we need to have this time dedicated for ourselves. Uh, and uh, more importantly, as a team norm, we need to be respectful of everyone else, time to focus. So that focus time has been one of the elements that has helped us to actually go through a lot of the, the challenges that we're facing and the opportunities while actually getting that better balance. Because one of the challenges in these, you know, virtual settings is that you can lose that, you know, work-life balance. I mean, your office is in your house. So it becomes very, very easy to actually be always, you know, in front of your computer. Uh, so that was another element to help us to bring a bit more of that balance within the, the team. I really wish people can hear that comment. And if people listen to the podcast and only keep that, uh, I, I re I'm really happy because one of the work that I do with, with my coaches is once they have their USC, I ask them, what are you going to let go of? so that you can spend more time in your USC. We actually <clears throat> call it your USC time in your calendar so that you can spend it thinking at your highest strategic level. Which So I, I love what you're saying because I think this is um, what drives leaders feeling overwhelmed, being burned out when they don't have that time, when, where they don't feel like they're operating at that level and making that contribution. Um, which for organizations is really uh, not the right way to go because you're not, it's not sustainable. Exactly. It, I mean, in, in, in the work that we do, there is moments where you need to operationalize what needs to be done. But there's also time when you need to reflect, to sit back and to, to really, you know, ask yourselves, what's the best approach to take? What should we be doing differently? It's the time to innovate. It's the time to actually give to yourself and sometimes to, to some team members, the opportunity to reflect on this. And you know, sometimes we put that through the usual, you know, brand planning process or strategic plan process, which happens, you know, once a year. But what I wanted to do with the team is to maintain a certain level of engagement towards this on an ongoing basis. And that, that brings us back to the, the um, helping people making the right decision at the right level at the right time. And that forces, I'm guessing, the, the the focus time, it forces people to think about how they can delegate as well? Or or am I just 
dreaming here. I mean, it's the <laughs> it's it's one of the critical aspect of a a, a an effective uh, working relationship in the team in place that is making a difference is that people feel that they are being empowered, people feel that they are accountable, uh, people feel that they could make a difference, uh, and I think that that is part of the process and. When you know that your colleague is going to get, you know, two hours tomorrow to work on something and another two hours, two days after to maybe have to finalize it, you know that you can have the confidence that the deliverable is going to happen because there are times in the agenda to actually be able to do this. And I think that that has been one of the key uh, haha moments for some of our team members is to realize that. They are not only going to be able to deliver, but they're going to also probably deliver with higher quality documents or programs or projects because they had the chance to reflect on it a little bit more than they would have done usually when it's a go, go, go time type of, uh, of mindset. So at the end of the day, that's really the idea is to help people to perform even better in a, an environment that is right now not easy to deal with. Fabien, I, w- I really want to continue this conversation. I know you're so busy. So here's the deal I'm going to make, if you're okay with it. I want you back on the podcast to continue this conversation in a couple of months, once more people are vaccinated, um, to continue this conversation. But before we go, I want to ask you those three questions that I ask every leader. What's been your biggest challenge in your career? How did you surpass it? And who did you become as a leader? Okay. Uh, I mean, leadership is, uh, is not a position. It's not a role. Uh, leadership is more a state of mind. Uh, it's the ability that you have to inspire others, to provide positive impact on others. And, uh, it took me a while to kind of figure this out. Now it's easy to say, but after many, many years, when you aspire to be a leader, you kind of have some kind of pictures of how, about what it is. And it's a combination of different factors, you know. And uh, I think that one of my challenge was to make sure that I have the right mix. You know, you want to be a leader by leading by example. You want to be a leader that, you know, address the situation differently with everyone. You want to be a leader that is you know, empowering their team members. You want to be a leader that is going to be delivering on the results and have the team to collectively deliver on results as well. So it's taking, you know, a lot of time to reflect about what needs to be done. And at the end of the day, what is the fundamentals is if you make people feel engaged, dedicated, and they really want to make it happen. And I think that that's kind of, if you achieve this, then you say, okay, I guess that uh, it's a thumbs up. So one of the tools is, is just the gray hair. It's just uh, the maturity of time that passes. Is that what you're saying? Maturity <laughs> and self-reflection. Because I think it's important through the years to sit down and, and reflect on where you're good at and where you're not as good at. And uh, I think that with maturity comes that ability to have that self-reflection middle more easily than when you're a younger leader, a go-getter that wants to, to get things done. And uh, you, you gain and understanding the value, uh, and I would say the reward of seeing the contribution of your team members. And actually today, that's probably what is the most rewarding for me, is when I look at the contribution of the team members, how they've evolved. When I see people that, you know, I've hired 
five years ago, uh, where do they are right now? Or 10 years ago or 15 years ago? You know, I sometimes have colleagues that I've hired 20 years ago that are still reaching out to me. This is kind of a nice reward to see where they are and they still see the value of reaching out and just, you know, have a chat. Just like you and me. Exactly. Yes, you made me think about the ego and being humble and you asking for feedback. So what I'm really hearing is the shift between and and what self-reflection allows a leader is to kind of let go of the ego, uh, be humble because that's where perhaps we're more courageous and, and, and powerful and allowing for people to provide you feedback. So that's part of your process. Not only you give feedback, but you yes, ask feedback. Uh, I mean, the ego is part of any leaders. I mean, fundamentally, it's one of the you know elements that makes leaders. The question is, how do you nurture that, that ego? And to be fully aware that it could be a, a plus or it could be a challenge and to, to manage it adequately. And eventually you feel that that ego, which when you were younger might have been a key success factor of your development, becomes eventually a bit of a barrier. Because you don't really need it anymore. With you know, with confidence, with the ability to have others to you know go through what they need to do, and to actually feel that the reward that you're looking for is through others, all of this makes the ego to be very, very different. And to me, one of the elements that I am using to help my my team members to understand that mindset is to be very open and transparent about asking them feedback. So, you know, sometimes people feel that, you know, as, as a leader, you're the one who's coaching, who's giving feedback. I'm always looking to get feedback, honest, transparent feedback. Not always obvious because especially for the direct reports, they may kind of be concerned around this. So I am expanding the scope. I'm asking feedback to colleagues. I'm asking feedback to peers. I'm asking feedback to people that might be attending some of my cross-functional teams three, four times a year. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with them is to ask them to give me that kind of feedback. So thank you so much, Fabien, for this time together. This was amazing. I really look forward to seeing you soon. I wish you the best in your projects because your projects means that everybody will get vaccinated as soon as possible and that will regain our freedom and our health and the way to our way to interact in person with people. So Thank you so much, Fabien. Appreciate it so much. Even after many years of being a coach, an executive coach, and working with teams, I never cease to be amazed with the power of a team well-aligned in terms of being efficient, but the innovation that this team is able to do. And obviously, Fabien's examples with his team is just a perfect reflection of that, that you can create in record time a vaccine that will help millions and millions of people because of the power of how well aligned this team gets because they know the importance of their mission. They know the importance of their contribution, their unique strategic contribution. I am so amazed. And, and I think one of the elements that we heard from Fabien in that ability to work as one team is defining what I call in my book a team contract and team norms and defining really how you're going to operate as one team. And one team, and every team, I would say, is, is very different. Um, and every team has their norms based on the context they're in, 
the dynamic of the team, the importance of what they need to deliver, and the specificity of what they need to deliver. So no norms should be the same in every team, and they should definitely be designed as one team so that everybody feel engaged in that. And one example of that in the conversation we just had with Fabien was uh, making sure that the team has time to think. And that's a norm. Like everybody needs to take time to think. And we all know that and we respect that and we actually encourage that. Now that it's a norm, we we actually encourage that. And that's why you want to define a couple of norms, not too many because then the discipline of of applying those norms get really difficult. But if you have a few that are really important, then you make sure that those norms get executed. For example, in in uh, in my team, the O2 coaching team, we start every Friday with celebration. Why is that? Because if you are taking the time to define a team contract, which means you've got a team USC you've got very specific objectives, smart objectives that you want to achieve, and you've got your KPIs that will let you know when you are winning and when you're not winning, then when you are winning, you absolutely need, in my mind, to celebrate because that's the joy of knowing you're having the contribution you want to have. And if you're not winning, then that's okay. You you adjust. But every celebration is an opportunity to recognize that we worked as one team. Everybody gave their best. It's also an opportunity to know that you're making a difference. And that, the power of the why, as Simon Sinek says, I call it your USC. If you're really clear as to what it is that you want to contribute, then the energy that the team can create around it can move mountains, really, really mountains. And so I know you've taken a million of notes in listening to the podcast with Fabien. Uh, I really looking forward to having comments from you on what we're creating. And if you want to share any tips or anything you've you've implemented based on what you listen in this podcast or any other podcast, please do and, and put a thumbs up to the podcast because we we at O2 Coaching create these podcasts for you in order for you to get the value uh, to change or adapt or be the best version of yourself. So as always, be inspired and inspire. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening to the Empower Your Team podcast. Now it's time to take action. Join the leaders who are already part of the Empower Your Team movement and visit our website at empoweryourteam.com to know more on how to participate. Thank you.